If you have your Bible with you, please turn with me to Luke chapter 22, verse 24 to 27. Luke 22, verse 24 to 27. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. And he said to them, that will be Jesus, said to them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them that are called benefactors. But not so with you, verse 26. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest, and the leader as the one who serves. Verse 27, for who is the greater? One who reclines at the table or one who serves? Is it not that the one who reclines at the table? But I am among you as the one who serves. Notice, this is not the first time the disciples have been arguing about who is the greatest among them. And in Luke chapter 9, further up from Luke 27, it was the first time it was recorded that they were arguing that who would be the greatest or considered the greatest. And at the time, Jesus basically picked up one of the child and just explained to them that to be the greatest, you ought to be like this. But in this context here, Jesus is teaching them that you want to be the greatest, you ought to be the one who serves. In Mark chapter 9, verse 35, I guess they just showed that already. The Bible says that if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. You know, in the world that we're living in today, you and I love to be served. I personally love to be served. That's the truth. I'm just trying to have a, 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 you know, an honest confession. You know, every time when I go on vacation, of course I love to be served. I love people to tend for my care, you know, to you know, make my bed for me, clean the toilet. You know, just, just we love to be served. And, and the idea of uh, serving, of being served is such a, such a fantasy for many of us. I mean, wouldn't you wish to have somebody to serve you at home, you know, to do your laundry, to make your bed, to vacuum your home, does everything, cook for you, clean for you. All you do is just exist. I mean, that's really an amazing idea, right? And we all love to be served. And every time we go to places, we, we expect to be served well. If they don't serve us well in a restaurant, we go to Yelp immediately and just trash them. And in fact, there are people that go to Yelp to trash this church. Because we did not live up to their expectation. Because in our mindset is that when even when it comes to church, among the fellow believers, among our brothers and sisters, we expect that we are to be served with great diligence. We expect great service from churches. Yes, as a church, we want to do all that we can to make visitors feel welcome, to make believers feel welcome, to just want to embrace them. We do everything to serve you. But friends, may I encourage you to come to the house of God, to come among the brethren, not to expect to be served, but always come with the attitude that I am going to the house of the Lord to serve God and His people. Come on, can I hear an amen? They say that most churches in this country, not this one, this is a special church, hallelujah. Most churches in this country is that only 20% of the people are actually doing most of the work, 80% of the work. Just imagine this, only 20% of the people that go to church week after week, they don't serve, they don't get involved. All they do is just show up and leave, show up and leave. They come and get their, get their goods, you know, sing some songs, hear some good sermon, and then on the way. And you know, 
know, they, they go to go downstairs and, you know, and they, they go and have coffee and so forth. And, and they just, just love to be served. Now, while it is very wrong to coerce people, force people, or, or, or you know, bring guilt on people to, to serve. And, and we're not about that. This church is not about that, you know. I, I'm not that kind of pastor who preach about, you know, all kinds of guilt and condemnation. So you're going to feel like you, you have to serve, you know. It's like, oh, you know, Pastor Paul just said, I have to serve. I guess I have to serve, you know. I'm not one of those preachers that go, oh, if you don't serve the Lord, it's going to burn. You know, I'm not like that. I'm not that kind of preacher. And the Bible is not like that either. You know, we don't want to be motivated, motivated by fear, especially for those of us who understand the grace of God, is that there's nothing we can do to earn an extra grace of God. There's nothing we can do to have the love of God to come over our lives because it's already been poured out. And so it's not about guilt or condemnation. It's wrong to coerce using guilt and condemnation for people to serve in the house of God. But it is also wrong that if I'm a pastor that is looking for an opportunity for all of us to grow in the spirit and not preach about serving then I would not have done my job. Because as you'll learn today, serving is not necessarily just for others. In fact, it is for us. You know, it is actually the highest form, watch this, the highest form of spiritual living. A lot of people are confused about spirituality, being spiritual, go deeper into the spirit to get revelation, to, to walk deeper in the Lord. A lot of people think it's about information gathering, is to get revelation. Well, I'm not knocking revelation because I get that every day. When I come before the presence of God, when I'm studying the word of God every day, I say, Jesus, teach me today. Teach me about something that I can live on every single day. And it's not, it's, it's, I'm not knocking that. But unfortunately, a lot of people think spirituality and learning to grow is about getting more information. That cannot be further from the truth. While it is important for you to read the word of God and familiar with the Word of God, but for you and I to go into the highest form of spiritual living is not just the Bible. The Bible, and by the way, a lot of people thought that if I want to be more spiritual, I would go to the mountain and meditate all day, and I can go deeper. But the Bible is showing us something quite different. Jesus himself demonstrated by being a demonstrated that, that fact by being being a servant among us in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. It says the Bible says, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know, the Bible says that Jesus is the perfect reflection of God the Father himself. If you've seen Jesus, you have seen the Father. And if Jesus came to us on and live among us to serve, which means it tells me that the God of the universe is a God who serves. I spoke about being humble before quite a number of weeks ago. Is that I said that, you know, God encourages to be, to be humble, not so that he could lord over us. He wants us to be humble because he is a humble God. It's the same thing. Is that God wants us to serve because he's a God who serves. 
That's why he sent his only son to die for us. Why? Is to serve us. He owns everything. He's the wealthiest person in the existence of existence. And yet he chose to serve his creation, you and I. Ever since he created us, the Bible says he had stopped doing his own works. He has stopped working for himself. You know what he has been doing? Jesus said that my father has been doing and busy all this time. You know what he's been doing? He's been serving humanity. The God of the universe. Just imagine this. He could sit there in his laurel and just shake his leg and enjoy himself. And watching Netflix. There's no Netflix in heaven. But you know, he could do that. But instead, he came and became a servant. And today, he is still serving you and serving me. And that's why he's calling his people, you and I, not to sit idly, but to serve him. Not the world, not money, not your ambition, but to serve him. You know, Paul the Apostle said as much in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19. For though I am free from all, I have made for myself a servant of all that I might win more of them. Paul the Apostle was a Jew, was a devout Pharisee, you know, he knew all the law, he knew all the regulations, he knew that his whole life was being obligated to fulfilling all the laws and regulations until he met Jesus. When he met Jesus, he was set free from the burden of fulfilling and doing religious law, religious rules. He was set free from that and he was so free that he didn't have to do anything because he knew that as far as God is concerned, he was saved already. And yet he said, 1 Corinthians, turn turn back to it, chapter 9, verse 9. He says, though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all. You may be free today, friends. But if you ever want to go into a higher living, every time when you get among the brothers and sisters, one of the ways to get in the place of higher spiritual living is to serve others. You know, it is the most powerful way, as I'm going to show you in the next couple of weeks, it's the most powerful way to see breakthroughs in your spiritual lives. As you serve people, God is going to reveal to you some of the things in your life and it's going to cause you to see breakthroughs in your life. It is also the most influential way to live. You know, we have a lot of influencers these days in social media. They call them influencers. Do you know about those influencers? Do we have any influencers? You know, influencers, they call influencers in social media these days when you have how many people? 20,000 followers, a million followers, you know? You're on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, you know? I, I know I'm not one of the influencers because I have 10 people follow me, so nobody's, I'm not influencing anybody, you know? Not in the digital form or social media format anyways. I can't, I can't remember, any, you know, last time I posted anything on Instagram, you know? But, but you know, being a, being, the, these days they talk about all those influencers, but the Word of God is showing us, and I'm going to show you, it's the best way, most powerful way to influence other people. Great leaders over the years understood that. Servanthood is the most effective way to bring positive change in society. It's the, uh, it's the most effective way to open doors. It's the most effective way to bring prosperity. It's the most effective way to transform lives. 
You want to be successful in where you're at in terms of your career? Be a servant. Don't, a lot of people don't like to hear that. They say, I don't want to be a servant. I don't need to be a servant. I, you know, I'm fine by myself. But friends, may I encourage you, as the Word of God teaches, the best way, the most powerful way to live is to be a servant. The most influential way to live is to be a servant. You know, in fact, the British parliamentary system, which Canada has, and in fact, according many democratic countries or democrat democracies in the world today have adopted this British parliamentary systems. In this British parliamentary systems, they refer to the most powerful body of decision makers as cabinet ministers no they're not making cabinet but you know cabinet ministers and the most powerful person in the government of the land they call him the prime ministers you see the word minister literally means the person who attends or serve the needs of others in other words a servant so the cabinet ministers were the most powerful, supposedly the most powerful, influential body of decision makers are actually the, one of the, the, the greatest, one of the greatest servants in society. The prime ministers. He's supposed to be the chief honcho of servants. That's exactly what Jesus said of true leaders. For those who are supposed to be greatest ought to be the servant of all. That's how this parliamentary system has adopted this idea. Though our politics have totally corrupted those meaning, but it really it's quite scriptural in of itself in its origin. Jesus is the greatest among us, and yet he's the one among us who serve. To be more like Jesus, to operate and flow in the miracles and the power is to be like him as a servant to serve. Many have thought that when we want to flow in more power and more influence and more anointing and the key is really to get more deep revelation, to pray in tongues longer, though they may include that, but really the key is to serve. I've mentioned it before, you know, Smith Wilgersworth, you know, he was, he was one of the most powerful revivalists of our time. He started his life as a plumber to serve. I really believe that it was those times that he was fixing people, plum, uh, people's uh, plumbing problems that God started to speak to him. A place of servant is the place where God can begin to show himself to you. But you know, in the West, in many modern Christianity, we spend a lot of resources. We spare no resources to pursue revelation of different nuances of faith applications. But friends, do you know that we can theorize all we want? The key really it's not about just revelation. It's how you live your lives. How do we live our life? We live our life to serve others. But many believers don't buy that theory anymore. They can go from one conference to another. One summit to another. Nothing wrong with that. I enjoy conferences. We have some here sometimes. You know, I love listening to the amazing speakers. Learn from them, you know. But the key really at the end is to be a servant. I would submit to you that there are 
many in our churches expect churches meaning you know all the church right many many in our different churches would come into the church they would expect us to function the way that they wish to sing the song that they like to preach the way that they like to operate the way that they like or we they would criticize divide and even leave the church the idea of serving watch out and yielding to the benefits of others is actually the last thing many of us have in our mind. And yet, that's what you and I have been called to in Galatians chapter 5. Paul again talked about freedom. He speaks about freedom. Paul loves to talk about freedom because of the place where he came from was full of bondage. Full of, full of rules and regulation, condemnation and guilt. And that God had saved him and now he'd enjoy amazing freedom. So he, he always talked about freedom in Galatians. Uh, the whole book of Galatians is about freedom. And in chapter 5 verse 13 he says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for your flesh. But through love. Do what? Come on, through love do what? Serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, love your neighbor as yourself. A number of weeks ago, we talked about loving people. We talked about agape love, different love. How do you manifest your love? Is it with words? No, it's not with words. That's why I want to encourage young women, you know, old women alike too, you know, if you are to look for a potential spouse, you know, we don't have gentlemen anymore. We, we, we have all kinds of people with all kinds of beautiful words. But, you know, they just, they're just words. Oh, I love you. I'll give my life to you. Oh, you're, I'm going to die with you. Just words. You know, in the old days, when we, uh, when we were teaching young girls how to, how to spot for the right man, you know, is that, you know, when you sit in the car and you get to a destination... You want to watch if the man would open the door and go behind the car and come and open the door for you. Because if the guy doesn't do that, don't talk to him. Right? He's not a gentleman. What does it mean? It means that this man know how to serve. Love is manifested through serving. You can talk all you want. It's just words. And some of you older ladies have experienced guys that give you all kinds of words. Oh, they're so sweet with their words. They just can sing a song to you, you know. It melts your heart. But beware. Because they're just words. How do you manifest your love for God? It's the same thing. Oh, we can sing all the beautiful song. We can even weep and cry. So what? You manifest your love to God by serving Him. You manifest your love to one another. By serving one another. Now friends, God is not here to condemn you or judge you. But he has a much better plan for both you and I to thrive. The word is thrive in his kingdom. It may sound very counterintuitive to think that to be greatest, to be the most effective, to be the most influential, to be flowing powerfully in the Holy Spirit is actually to go to the lowly place to serve. But yet it is the truth. I want to tell you this. Some people that I respect the most in our church are those in the hospitality ministry. You know, many people, we all come. We have a great time. You know, we, we drink our coffee, have our cookies. 
guess who had to do the cleaning? They'll never really get a lot of recognition in this church because they're not like the worship team standing up here singing a song. Everybody can check out the nice clothes and nice shoes and the beautiful voice, you know. But they're in the background serving quietly and sacrificially. I'll tell you, this is the one that breaks the heart of God and attracts the presence of God. I want to encourage you to consider be a servant today. Be a servant especially to God and amongst the brethren. Don't serve the world. Don't serve the devil's purpose. Serve God. Serve his people because it is the highest form of spiritual living. Now, to motivate us to want to become servant, to serve because we all want to be motivated, I'm going to share with you several benefits that you can experience immediately when you decide to lay your life down and serve other people. The first benefit is this. And I talked about it already. Several weeks ago, we talked about agape, how to operate in the gifts. To operate fully in the gifts is to have agape. And how to have agape is really to manifest it with the brother. We serve. In other words, if you and I want to start flowing the gifts, it is not more seminars, it's not more conferences, they are great. But if you and I want to flow in the gifts, you need to start serving. When you start serving in places that it has really nothing to do with really all the operation of the gifts, the Holy Spirit is going to reveal to you your destiny and the gifts that you can operate in. You know, in the Bible, in Acts chapter 6, we learn about the church of Jesus was growing quite rapidly. And so the, a lot of people were not being taken care of. So they all come and complain to the apostles. And the apostles say to them that we need to stay with the word and in prayer. So choose among yourself men that is trustworthy and that they can serve you. So one of the person that was chosen, his name was Philip. And Philip was just waiting on the table, serving other people. He was chosen to be a servant. What a role to be chosen to, right? To be servant. Oh, I choose you to be a servant. Sure. You know, it's, he was chosen to serve. And the Bible says that Philip was serving the people. But little, a lot of people realized that Philip became one of the most powerful, if not the most powerful evangelist of all time. Have you known of any evangelists that can teleport from one place to another? This is Star Trek stuff. He has the power and the anointing that's unlike any other. There's nothing like that except Elijah. He also had that experience too. But you know, this is the man who started by serving the table. We all know about Philip the Evangelist, the revival that he led. And he had led the eunuch to go to Christ. You know, all these amazing things. Travel from one spot to another. Amazing. Have daughters that are prophetess and so forth, you know. But he started his destiny by waiting at the table. Not at the pulpit. Not teaching or leading. Friends, may I encourage you to walk in the ways of Philip's. Because in that place of service... In the place of servanthood, the Lord is going to reveal to you how to operate in the supernatural. 
Are you getting stuck in operating the gift? Some of you feel like, oh, I'm, I'm a prophet. Oh, I'm a pastor. I'm a teacher. I'm this, that, and the other thing. And yet, you can't seem to have a breakthrough. There doesn't seem to be any opportunity for you to exercise your gifts. You're frustrated. But may I encourage you, friends, how about starting at serving at the table? We all have reason not to serve. Oh, I'm too busy. Oh, I'm ill. My family is ill. This and the other thing. We all have reasons not to serve. But friends, God is waiting for you to step into your destiny. And the path to the destiny starts at service. Doesn't matter what it is. Start serving. You know, I was telling the staff in our church, you know, the people who work in this church, I said to them, you don't get paid in the weekend. You get paid from Monday to Friday to do the operation of the church, take care of things and so forth. But we all come like the rest of the congregation to volunteer, to serve. That's the policy of this church. This is the idea of how we serve the Lord. Because it's, it's like, why is it that the rest of the congregation had to come and they don't get paid, whatever? It's that we all are servants. We do what we do during the week just for operation. And plus, we don't get paid that much. But you know, but at the end of the week, we all come to be servants like everybody. They volunteer our time. And this is a key for you and I to walk in that amazing victory. The second benefit, I'm running out of time. I'm only 20% done, but I'm going to do second benefits and we're going to close and wait for next week for you to come for part two, okay? Servanthood also opens door. Some of you are looking for open doors. Servanthood opens door. You recall Joseph? You know, though he was forced, he had to become a slave and a servant. And he was led to a rich person's house, very politically influential person, house Potiphar. And he had to serve. There he served faithfully. And then he got promoted. And he became the most, second most powerful person in the household. Then he got falsely accused and sent to jail again. But in that moment, he didn't give up his serving attitude and his serving lifestyle. He continued to serve. The Bible says in, even in prison, he was serving his, his fellow inmates and he was serving them. He was falsely accused. Many of us would have said, God, you know, I serve you and see what happened. I got thrown into the jail and would have given up. But here he continued to press in to serve God in spite of his personal life. It's a disaster now. He's in prison being accused of something that he didn't do. And he served nonetheless. So much so the warden was so impressed. Gave him in charge of the entire prison system. And he was serving every inmate. His service to those inmates led him to stand before the Pharaoh eventually become the prime minister of Egypt. Do you think he would have been the prime minister of Egypt staying at daddy's house with his colorful coat? Think about it. No. At home, he didn't have to serve. His dad got servants. He's like the, he's, he's like the baby. He's like, you know, everybody just take care of him, you know. His brother's jealous of him. But he would have never come to the place of influence Unless he had to serve as a slave. David is another one. David himself, you know, he, uh, he was forced to serve his brothers. So he was tending his sheep, buying his own business. Dad says, take some sandwich, go and take care of your brother in the war zone. So off he went, you know, he took some sandwich, you know, and went to the war zone. 
But you know, friends, it was his service. Watch this. We're talking about open door now. It was his service to his brother opened the door for him to face Goliath and eventually become a general and king. It was his, it started with his service and constantly through his promotion to serve the king, sing for him, serve the king, kill for him, you know, do all different, just serving the interests of Saul all the way. Most university students and graduates, listen to this in university. Most university students and graduates understand that these days, in order for you to be successful, to find a job that you want, guess what you need to do? You need to volunteer. You know, in the hospital that my wife works in, you know, she has quite a number of volunteers coming to her department to work because they are research, you know, they're doing psychological research, whatever. And um, they are actually medical doctors. You know, in this country, medical doctors are so abundant that there are about 17,000 of them has no job. That's crazy, including specialists, eye and throat specialists. You know, National Post was just having that article the other day, right? When I say the other day, it's a couple of years ago. And so, you know, um, the government are going, you know, they're running out of money, so they can't hire any more medical professionals, so they're not allowing any more internships. So a lot of, a lot of doctors, even the one graduate here and the ones that especially come from another country, they can't find a medical job. And so my wife, you know, this had, had different volunteers, and one of them is actually an experienced professional medical doctor volunteering at CAMH. Why do you think he did out of the goodness of his heart he wanted to volunteer? Because he understood that volunteer opens door. It's the same way spiritually. Spiritually speaking, when you humble yourself, you volunteer, you humble yourself, God is going to open the door for you. It's much more powerful than the physical world. I can talk about all the politicians you see today. You know, if you want to become the prime minister or an MP, you know, you think that all those, all those famous, all those, all those incredible politicians, they become a, a candidate automatically. No, these guys, they have to start off young, volunteering themselves to go door-to-door -door canvassing during election. Come rain, come winter, whatever. All these young people, they're knocking on the door, you know, they, they're canvassing, they're volunteering their time. Why? Because they know by volunteering, they would come into different opportunities. But we're talking about spiritually speaking. When you serve God, when you give your heart to God, when you lay down your life to God to be like Him, spiritually speaking, He's going to start open doors for you to walk in your destiny. Unfortunately, most believers are not walking in destiny. Like I say, they thought is to get revelation. They thought is to speak in tongue all the time. And they do all this. And this is great. And I do it probably more than many people. Like Paul says, Shandai, right? But I tell you, the key is really to be a servant. Then he'll open the door for you. Worship team, can you come out? I just preached about 20% of what I want to say. We're going to continue on next week. But it is my prayer today that you would consider today to lay your life down to serve others. You say, Pastor, I'm already serving once a month. 
consider serving twice a month because it is a spiritual exercise. We're not a political party. We're not a hospital. We're not looking for regular volunteers. But what we're looking for is an opportunity for you to grow and define your destiny. It can't happen unless you serve. I want to encourage you to consider to be like Christ. In fact, like God himself. And I show you just now that God, the God we serve, is the God who serves. You want to be more like Jesus? Then serve. You want to flow in his power and his supernatural power? Then serve. It is the step that we all have to take in order to walk into our spiritual destiny. And you have an amazing destiny. Every single one of us sitting in this room, you have an amazing destiny awaiting you. And some of us have been waiting and waiting and waiting. And we even try to try to try to open doors ourselves, try to make ways ourselves, try to try to try to politic our way around, try to try to promote ourselves, so full of strife. If you have read my book, I'm sure you all have. If you haven't, there's a book on sale out there. But you know, if you read my book, one of the things I say is that it is one thing to open your own door. You know, you pry it open with all your might, just you know, try to promote yourself. And it's ugly, right? It's a lot of work. It's one thing to open the door yourself, but it's something else to walk through an open door. God has opened doors for every single one of us this morning, waiting for you. But the step to walk through the open door, my friends, is servanthood. That's the highest form of spiritual living. It's to serve others as Christ has served us and is still serving us. The Word of God says that He has sent Paraclete, which is the Holy Spirit, a helper. The name of the Holy Spirit is actually a helper. He is a God who serves. So if you want to be like Him, you and I need to serve like Him. You know, Paraclete is pretty interesting. That's the difference between demon-possessed and being filled with the Holy Spirit. See, the way the demon operates is demon operates by control. So when you're possessed by the demon, you lost control. You see? And the demon tells you what to do and control your ways and just, you know, so you you basically in bondage. But for those of us who are filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit never control us. He's a paraclete. He's right beside us, helping us. I'm going to show you next week about how God approached humans and how we ought to approach other human beings. It's really interesting. But the key is this, is that even the Holy Spirit, the third person in the Godhood, He's been sent to show us about Jesus, to show us everything that belongs to Jesus, to show us how to glorify Jesus. He's not here to control us. He's not here to lord over us. He's here by our side to lift us up, to be our helper, our paraclete. And only when we yield, only when we yield, only when we yield, if we don't yield, He will not do anything. That's how awesome our God is. He's an amazing God. Stand please with me.